Living an Accomplished Life with Carice Laguerre. This is episode number 138 on the Alternative Health Tools podcast, where together we discover and share new alternative health tools and resources from alternative healthcare practitioners and experts. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Alternative Health Tools. I'm Kim Shea, your co-host for this episode, coming to you from this side of the pond here in Southern California. It is Thursday, April 15th, 2021, and I am joined by Carice Laguerre today. She's a myofunctional therapist and author of Accomplished, How to Sleep Better, Eliminate Burnout, and Execute Goals. And sleep is something I know a lot of us are struggling with right now with the pandemic. I know it's affected a lot of people's sleep just with stress. And But this is a much more involved topic and book than I had realized. And it's a lot of this can benefit children as well as adults. It's really very interesting. So thank you for coming on to join me today, Carice. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. Can you tell us your background? Yes, I am by trade a registered dental hygienist. Um, That's really what got me into everything that I do now. As a mother of four, I had four children that went through very common things to all children. And my employer at that time was a pediatric dentist who happened to be very, very in tune with a lot of things as far as airway. And so she kind of brought me up to speed with the fact that a lot of what I was going through and experiencing with my children, and I think we'll probably touch in more on that in just a little bit, but that that stuff was all linked to how they were breathing and really how they were using everything that's in their mouth, how they were engaging in their facial muscles. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I mean, it really makes sense, but even before we get into it, how you breathe would, of course, affect how you do everything. It's It's something you just take for granted that if you're breathing, you're doing it right and everything should be fine. But you ran into some really interesting situations with your own kids, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I think that's a common thing. Honestly, a lot of us as parents, when somebody asks how how's everything, how are the kids? Uh, Good. Everything's good. Or you tell them whatever good thing that's coming up, like, oh, you know, Johnny has a basketball game tomorrow. Yay. But in reality, I was going through a lot of things that a lot of people go through. My two youngest had issues with breastfeeding and then they had frequent sore throat and ear infections. It felt like we were always on a constant thread of antibiotics. Amoxicillin was like running over my fridge. Then my <laughs> next oldest one, my daughter had, for 10 years, we struggled with sleep issues. She had every sleep issue under the sun, whether it be night terror, sleepwalking, snoring and grinding restlessly, like you name it, bedwetting. We did every single night bedwetting for 10 years. Uh, we had all these problems. And my son, who's my oldest child, he actually had a lot of issues with impulse control, behavioral issues and ADHD. And all of those things, surprisingly, as varied as they are and how my children manifested in all of them, you know, you don't really talk about that stuff ever. And when you do bring it up, maybe to the pediatrician, it's like, oh, they'll grow out of it. You know, like, you, how long is she going to bed wet? She's not going to bed wet till she's 30, right? She'll grow out of it. But it's not something that you really want your kids to be going through for these extended periods of time, right? Right. So, 
I, I was very, very happy and blessed that I came across this. And so now it's my passion to share this with others so that they can also overcome a lot of these things and you can help your children thrive. Oh, that's great. I'm so glad you're here to talk about it. In your book, the title of it is Accomplished. And you do talk about what the difference between accomplishment and achievement is. And can you touch on that so we can see how where we're going with all this? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I love the 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 title accomplished. It in and of itself is an accomplishment, right? To do something like writing a book. Oh, yeah. When you think about the task of writing a book, reaching that accomplishment, you have little micro achievements you have to make along the way. You've got to finish your chapters. You got to finish your research, your outline. You have to finish you know, reviewing, editing. There's so many little accomplished and little achievements you have to make before you can get to what exactly it is you're trying to accomplish. So it's really trying to differentiate what exactly, you know, it is you're trying to do. You're trying to reach an achievement. It can be a micro goal, but then your accomplishment, that is your overall collection of those achievements and what you really have come that whole path to the peak of. Yeah, absolutely. It's huge. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you differentiated these two because um, I, I think most people, including me, probably tend to think of them as being interchangeable, but they're really different. So, so why did you, what, why did you come up with that specifically for the title for this book? I've worked with hundreds of clients in various places, be it here in America or internationally. And I find that one of the biggest things that my teenagers into the adults find that they are able to achieve is more focus, more presence in their day. And I think that that is really through everything that we accomplish essentially in getting their sleep to a better position. Then we're able to get them to be more productive, their most productive self. So I think accomplished is uh, the culmination of a lot of my personal findings in my working with my clients, what exactly it is that we're able to achieve is at the end of it, after we've really made these little steps, we're accomplished people. We're able to get things done, reach those goals. Well, I think we all need that. That's great. So with your kids, you were working for this dentist and you said she was really tuned in and you felt like they needed to go see her. Is that right? Yes, they absolutely did. Because, you know, we've seen the pediatrician, as I touched on before, and we got nowhere. We really got a whole lot of nowhere. And so once we finally made that appointment and got them in the schedule, because it's always hardest to treat yourself when you're in the healthcare field, you know, like... (laughs) It's difficult to make your own appointments. But once we finally got in to see her and she was able to look inside and to see what was going on, I mean, the breadth of what she could see just in their face alone to then determine like what was going on with them without me actually, you know, verbalizing much of it, that that was amazing. It was enlightening for sure. You, in your book, you had um, uh, some illustrations showing the difference in a face when the person is breathing better than one who's not. And it's really astounding, the physical changes 
that take place over time when a person isn't breathing properly. So were you able to see any of that in your kids or is that something you were able to catch early on? Were there outward things or was it just like what you're talking about with the antibiotics, the constant stream of antibiotics and the sleep issues and the behavioral issues? Is, is that what you were looking at? Well, it's a combination of the two. But yes, you do get a lot of physical changes too. What you can see in the face of someone who is not breathing correctly, who's not using their oral facial musculature correctly, what you will see in them is more long growth, more narrow growth. So they'll have narrower arches. More likely, those arches would be crowded, the dental arches I'm referring to. You'll see more of a gummy smile. You'll see cheeks, oh, those chubby cheeks on those kids. Like when you see like a seven-year-old and you just want to pinch their cheeks, they've got these adorable thick cheeks those cheeks are actually flaccid. These cheeks are not working. And so these are signs that, you know, we need to have intervention at some point. And honestly, once you're able to work out all those muscles, because our teeth are so prone to any sorts of pressure. When I, learned, I know a lot of people can relate to the fact that you feel like your teeth shift or move over time. It's because they're not flush in the bone. They don't just sit just in the bone. They do have space. They do have room for flexion, right? So all these soft tissue pressures, once you relieve pressures, you start working out those cheeks, you start working on the tongue, you start working on what's going on. Now you're seeing a change in the way the teeth are able to sit within the mouth. So you do get a lot of amazing and brilliant changes in the face and overall in their health as well. That's amazing. That was one thing I was wondering is if these changes, because the, so the drawings were a little bit dramatic. And so I was wondering if, um, if you were to institute these changes with the, the myofunctional therapy, would, the, would, would they, like, is the damage done in terms of the visual, but you're saying that things can change? Yes, things can change. Now, it's easier to change the younger you are, just with everything in life. Isn't everything easier when you're younger? Yes. Because a good lot of those growth plates do close off around age 12 or 13 or so. But you can get changes in adults too. It's just more of a collaborative effort. So it would be the myofunctional along with a dental provider doing a dental appliance or an orthodontist doing some um, braces. And then you get like these nice changes in the face and in the teeth. Hmm. Could you define, we keep talking about myofunctional therapy. Can you define that for us? Absolutely. So myofunctional therapy in the easiest way that I can explain it is like personal training, but it only works for the muscles below the eyes, but above the shoulders. So what we do essentially is we're like personal trainers helping you to work to strengthen and coordinate all of those oral facial and some of the oral pharyngeal muscles. That way we can facilitate better breathing, chewing, swallowing, and sleep. Okay, cool. And so this is something one gets certified in? Yes, it is something that one can be certified in. You definitely need advanced training. It is not something for everybody to do, though. Um, With the background of speech-language pathologists, registered dental hygienists, and dentists, because we have that oral health, oral embryology, oral uh, development and function, we have that training in our backgrounds from university and so forth. Um, That's why we are eligible to take that advanced training and certifications. So is this, is this standard for most dentist office or was your dentist unusual that she was focusing on this? 
Um, I don't, I don't know how I feel about the word unusual, but she was definitely unique. Okay. <laughs> she was definitely unique. I would say about 1% of the dentists that are practicing now do actively practice and look for um, airway. However, the American Dental Association has now jumped on board. And as of um, 2019, late 2019, I believe they did change their recommendation to say that they want all dentists to start screening to see about this oral facial function and so forth. So I think we're coming along. We're definitely coming along. That's great to hear. I I remember going to get braces when I was a teenager and I remember either the orthodontist or some specialist saying I didn't swallow right and that my tongue my tongue was hitting the back of my teeth instead of being up on the roof of my mouth and I remember just thinking, well this is stupid. That's the way my tongue works. Um, I wish I'd known about this. This is it's really interesting, but you do talk about that like even the tongue isn't quite doing what it's supposed to be doing. And and I guess sleep apnea comes in here. I mean, there's, there's a lot of factors, right, that would be playing into someone needing to have myofunctional therapy. Absolutely. There are a lot of factors for sure. The tongue is a major, major component. Um, there's a lot of other factors that can make a, a play. But when we think about the tongue, People like to think of the tongue as like one muscle. People have often had this misconception that it's like the strongest muscle in the body and so forth. But the tongue is actually not one muscle. It's actually innervated by eight muscles that work in pairs. So there's 16 muscles that work on this tongue, right? And wow. so you think about the pressure of these 16 muscles as they're pushing against your teeth or pushing through your teeth to help you swallow. That's actually creating a negative pressure in your mouth that is going to impact the way those teeth are, are shifting. And so back when you know you were in the dentist's office and he was telling you about this, I think his main approach would have been to put in an appliance that would keep your tongue, prevent your tongue from coming forward. That appliance wouldn't have trained your tongue to do the right thing. It just would have stopped it for now Mm. from doing the wrong thing, right? So what we do now as myofunctional therapists is we help to facilitate a more natural response where we're trying to rehabilitate the tongue into a proper positioning when you're swallowing, when you're speaking, when you're at rest. That way you're able to get those negative pressures and turn them into positive pressures. That's wild. Do you mind explaining like what training would look like? I'm, I can't even imagine. No problem. So when we're thinking about all those muscles, those muscles help the tongue do lots of various things, whether it's elevate, protrude, lateralize, retract. A lot of various muscles go into a lot of these actions. So what I'm trying to do is narrow in on where exactly my patients need the help. And then we focus in on that. So let's say that it's for the easiest one, let's say that it is they're having a problem with the tongue elevating and connecting with the roof of the mouth. Then what we're going to do is we're going to try to engage as much as we can with the roof of the mouth, right? So let's say we would take something such as peanut butter and rub it on the roof of the mouth, and we're going to have that tongue tip go up and try to get the roof of the mouth with the peanut butter. So we'll, we'll do like a peanut butter rub is what they would call that to try to get that engagement. Then we want to make sure that the tongue is isolated when it's doing that. So we'd probably use a mouth proper or something else to engage, disengage the jaw and the lips and the cheeks. Now the tongue has to go at it independently 
which is going to activate a lot of those muscles as well. I see. Okay, so you're actually working with muscles to try and get it to do what you want it to, to get the tongue to be a certain way by building up muscles that are maybe kind of relaxed or not not really, um, you know, in good shape. Is that what, am I understanding that right? Exactly. That is spot on. That's why I compare it to personal training. I, it's very focused. Hmm. Interesting. So I imagine the younger you are, the easier this is. Oh yeah. Such is life, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so in your book, you talk about personal and physical barriers towards accomplishment, I suppose would be correct. And then, um, so this would be a physical barrier if you don't have this, if, if you don't have your your face and your breathing and, and any obstructions, if you don't have that in order, that would be a, a, per, a physical barrier to you to achieve some of your goals. Exactly. I think people don't really think about these physical barriers very often, but this is going to be a, a big spot that we're covering is by looking at what exactly is preventing us from being able to get our best sleep. I think when people think about sleep and, and productivity and so forth, you get a lot of superficial goals like, okay, you know, stop using your phone an hour before bed, don't eat before bed. But these things aren't going to help you with anything that might be physically impeding upon you being able to get good sleep. So you can do all the sleep tricks in the world. And if you physically aren't capable of achieving any sort of good sleep, good breathing, good habits, then you're going to be stuck in a bad way for a while. So very yeah. important that we acknowledge that. Okay, thank you. Um, and sleep is important. I think everyone knows that. But you talk about sleep apnea in your book and you talk about ADHD. Is there a correlation between the two? Huge correlation, and I am so happy you asked about that. So there's actually a 70% overlap between the manifestations of ADHD and the manifestations of poor sleep, especially in children, okay? That 70% overlap is huge because when you think about what ADHD actually is, it's not something that you could take a blood test for. It's not something that you you know can officially be diagnosed with definitively. It's something that's based upon the symptoms that you present with. That's what a broad spectrum of providers would say, okay, yes, you do have ADHD based upon these symptoms that you're showing me. But when many of those symptoms overlap with something that can get a definitive test for, like a sleep study, then that's when we have to, you know, look at a possible overlap that many people don't even consider. So when kids get poor sleep, it's not like when adults get poor sleep. If you or I got a bad night of sleep, we'd probably be tired the next day. If a kid gets a bad night of sleep, the kid is wired the next day. They're mm. amped up. Their body can't slow down. It's still going, going, going. I mean, sometimes I think we don't process it the same way. But if we've ever seen a child that's just kind of running around and talking, 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 you're like, oh man, they, they need a nap. Like they're going to sleep really well if they need a nap. That's that same sort of thing where tired child gets wired as opposed to a tired adult. So it's definitely something that we have to start considering is that ADHD could very possibly be a misdiagnosis because in and of itself, it's only based on symptoms. 
That's so interesting. And you, you had a child with ADHD, right? Yes. Yes. My only son. Yeah. So many struggles. So did this help once he had the therapy? This helped significantly. And I write about it in my book, but we struggled for such a long time because I ignored it. And then it got to the point where, okay, let's go get the diagnosis. We see the neurologist, but I don't want to medicate him. And then you get to the point where you're like, okay, fine, we'll medicate him so he doesn't fail out of fifth grade. But none of that really was helping 100%. It didn't get to the root of the issues. We were just managing things, right? And so once that wonderful pediatric dentist came into my world and my life, and I really got on this train with the myofunctional therapy, and we got him engaging in his breathing and doing the myofunctional therapy exercises, I saw it was like day and night. It was like meeting him for the first time. Wow. Yeah, because it's it's a totally different person. Somebody who's well-rested and able to engage and can have an actual conversation with you. It's It was amazing, absolutely amazing to be able to engage with him. That's really neat. And it's actually got me thinking because I have a son who's got ADHD and, and I... I ignored it too um, when he was younger because I didn't want to medicate him. And I just figured, well, it's elementary school. It's not a big deal. But then when he hit junior high, he said, you know, I am not able to compete in class the way the other kids are. I know I need some help. So so we did uh, get him on something that he can take from time to time whenever he needs it. But but this is really interesting. And, and he's uh, almost 20 now, but he sleeps a lot. He can sleep for hours and hours and hours. And so now I'm wondering, and you would know the answer, if somebody like your child is sleeping all the time too, is it possible they're not getting a good enough night's sleep and that's why they're taking so long to go through the sleep process? Is is there any correlation there? It is quite probable that they might be trying to play catch up for lack of a better word, trying to get back some of that sleep that they've been lacking and missing out on because the body does need it. And so if you're not cycling through your sleep cycles appropriately, then you might be extending your period of sleep in an attempt to kind of catch up. So with what you do, you know, CPAPs are kind of common. People know they have to wear these devices on their faces to help them breathe at night. Is that something that you do or are you able to work around that so somebody doesn't need a CPAP machine? So it's not a 100% guarantee, but I have had clients who have gotten off of their CPAPs entirely, who have had clean sleep studies um, after doing the myofunctional therapy program. So what was diagnosed, you know, mild or moderate uh, obstructive sleep apnea then turns into no signs of sleep apnea. And so there are those wonderful cases where we could get off of it. And then there's the cases where we just lessen and decrease a lot of that need for it. So instead of having a moderate sleep apnea, by the time you're done, it's in a mild case. And then you just need to use your CPAP just as a precautionary thing. Okay. Huh. It's fascinating. And you talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs which is, would you describe that as the pyramid of what people need to succeed and accomplish their goals in life and their, their purpose in life? Yes. And at the very, very base of that, we have all of our physiological needs because honestly, you know, we can go for weeks without food, days without water, but 
you're not going to get beyond a few minutes without air. Like we have to be able to breathe. We have to be able to sustain ourselves. So at the very base of that hierarchy, before you can get to self-fulfillment, which is the top of that pyramid, um, you're going to have to really deal with any sort of physical barriers that you might have to any of your productivity it's interesting. Self-care is a topic that's really big right now, especially with what we've all been going through and, and people talk about self-care. It seems like this is one of the most basic self-care things you could be doing is figuring out if you're getting enough oxygen, if you're, if you're breathing properly. Sounds like you could change your life if you took the time to go through this process. Absolutely. I mean, it makes changes in almost every aspect. If you think about what you could really accomplish if you presented as your best self every day, we are absolutely thinking about, you know, this is going to be the start of an absolute great thing. Mm, that's pretty neat. So you have a test in your book that you talk about a one minute breath test. Do you want to talk about that to see if you need therapy? Yeah, sure. And we can actually do it right now because it's super simple and easy. Okay, cool. <laughs> so what you're going to do is you're going to sit up nice and straight in a chair. You'll have your feet flat on the floor. And I want you to take a deep breath in through your nose and then breathe back out through your nose. And then as you breathe back in again through your nose, I want you to tell me where your tongue is. It's floating <laughs> in between. It's floating in the middle? It's floating in the middle. It's above... It's not touching my teeth. It's kind of just floating in the air. Okay, that's all right. That oh. is improper oral <laughs> posture, but it's okay. It's okay. You're fine. <laughs> You're still a good person. Okay. Yes. So if you were to now take your tongue and lift it up to connect it with the roof of your mouth. Take that deep breath in through your nose again. You might feel like you're getting more air in. Why might that be? Our tongue is a very long thing. It goes all the way down to C4. And if you know anything about your anatomy, it's it's down there. That's okay? amazing. So it's a super long thing. If you get your tongue up and out of that airway, if you move your tongue up and it connects with the roof of your mouth and it's very flush with the palate, that's the roof of the mouth, you're able to move that tongue out of your airway and inspire more air. You know, I can tell the difference because even just doing the breathing the first time, it feels like I have some congestion, even though I, I don't feel congested, but I can hear it. And then when I did it, it's like I can't hear anything anymore. That's fascinating. Yeah. See, super so I need therapy. I need some therapy. Okay. So, so let's say I, you know, you, you could tell right away I need therapy. And what, before I go any further, what percentage of the population would you say could benefit from having some, some therapy like this? I would say on average, maybe 10 to 15%. I don't want to overestimate mm. it and be like, oh, everybody, but a good chunk of the population could definitely use it. Okay. All right. That's really interesting. So do you work virtually or what would I do next? I do work virtually. So okay. the first step is many people encounter my website. So you come on the website and then you're able to one, either learn more because there's plenty of information on the website and then it connects to my blog site. Or you can just skip all that and just schedule a free consultation. So the free consultation is essentially a 
20 to 30 minute meeting with me where we kind of go over everything that you've been experiencing. We might go back into some history of your medical history and try to figure out what connections may be in existence there. Like you would probably tell me about that time that you went to the orthodontist and they told you about your tongue doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And at that point, we determine whether or not myofunctional therapy would really be a help for you. If it is a help for you, then we schedule an evaluation. We get you on my schedule. We we get to work getting to the root of your problems. And if it's not, then I have an expansive network of people that I help to refer to. So if it's not a, a myofunctional problem, it might be more of an ENT problem or a pulmonology problem. That's something that I would then refer out. I see. Okay. I know at my dentist, they've offered a couple times to conduct a sleep apnea study. Oh, awesome. And so um, I'm wondering if people can do that too, if their dentists offer them. Like I've always said, no, I'm good. Um, I'm, seeing a, I'm seeing a trend here. <laughs> like, no, I got it. I got it. Absolutely. If they offer it, especially because many of them offer it at a drastically cheaper rate than what it would cost if you went to the sleep, the sleep physician, sleep physician, a sleep study is thousands of dollars. I mean, for one of my kids, it was like $28,000 for the night for that sleep study. So if your dentist is going to offer you something to help you screen, I guarantee you it's a better deal than going to the sleep. Wow. Okay. That's good to know. Thank you. You talk about hours of sleep that like, oh my gosh, you're going to die literally if you don't have eight hours of sleep. But you talk about that in your book with hours of sleep and its quality. And can you explain that? Quality of your sleep will always trump quantity. So just like you had your example of your child that is sleeping for longer durations, but probably isn't functioning so well, sleeping for a long period of time does not mean that you're getting good quality sleep. What you want to get out of your sleep is restoration. If you're not waking up and feeling like you are already at your best self, you're waking up one naturally, you're waking up around the same time generally, and you're waking up feeling really good, like you got a good night of sleep, then you're not getting good sleep if that's not how you're waking up every time. Um, if you have to, you know, stop your stop clock or your alarm and, and just you know, snooze it all the time because you don't feel like you've gotten enough sleep and you you just need more. It's definitely a problem. So just because you've been in the bed for eight hours doesn't mean that you've gotten good quality sleep. Once you're waking up and you are feeling the physical manifestations of good sleep, that's good sleep. So if your five hours are working for you and you're waking up and you're your best self and you're able to be productive and accomplished every single day, then that's the right amount of time for you. It's a very common misconception that we all need seven to eight hours. There's not much that we all need that's along those same lines. It varies for every individual. Okay. That's good to know. I think especially for a lot of moms out there or parents of young children. It's just, it's sometimes just really impossible to do. And especially right now, if you're working from home and your kids are home too. And I mean, it's just been a crazy year we've all been through. So people are trying to get through. And a lot of people are working in the middle of the night to get their work done once the kids go to bed. So it's it's good to know it's not necessarily a 
you know, you're doomed if you're not getting eight hours of sleep, but it has to be quality sleep is what it you're telling us. It has to be quality. Okay. Um, can you talk about CARE? You have that in your book too. And it's, uh, it's, it looks like it's an acronym, C-A-R-E. Yes. So my CARE process and plan is uh, like the a really good way to kind of shorten what can actually be a really good plan that you take with you through just developing your best sleep cycles and and managing everything, right? So the first letter is C. C is for consistency. You want to make sure that you are consistent every night with one, the time that you're going to put yourself down and get some rest, but then two, your habits before then. Try to get as consistent as possible with that time and make your habits like a wind down prior to this. Okay. So you don't want to like, you know, shut off the computer and lie down in bed. That shouldn't be your, your last thing. You, you want to kind of be consistent, know that you're going to bed and start your routine. Your A, so C, we finished with consistency. A is going to be for airway management. We have to breathe. That's our most important function. If we're not oxygenating properly, our brain is not going to be able to restore. And the only time it restores is when we're sleeping and only if we reach REM sleep. Okay. So we've got to get our airway management on check. Start a nasal hygiene routine. That's my simple and easiest trick. If you are having difficulties beyond that, I would say you want to see a myofunctional therapist or you want to see an ENT, you want to get something started to really manage your airway outside of that. But a nasal hygiene routine is great. You want to get some saline rinse or a good nasal decongestant um, aromatherapy and make sure that you are actually using it. Cleanse out the nose. Be able to breathe in the decongestant. Be able to really feel it. You should feel it because the ear, nose, and throat are all one nice tract, that upper respiratory tract. You should feel that decongestant in your respiratory tract, your upper airway. Then we want to go into R, which is relax. So you finished your routine. Let's say whatever your time is that you're going to bed, even if it's 10 o'clock, you know that at 10 o'clock you want to be in bed. You do your airway management routine and you want to relax. Wind down. You've got to wind your body down because the first sleep stage is going to be that body starting to shut itself down. You want to get yourself prepped for that. So whatever your nightly routine is going to be, and this is a great time to pamper yourself when we talk about self-love and so forth. If you have a little massager or massaging chair and you want to sit in that for a little bit and just sort of wind yourself down and then gently take yourself into the bed, you've got to relax to get yourself into that sleep cycle. Then our final in the C-A-R-E, our final letter is E, where efficiency. We want to make the most out of waking up in the morning and that energy. Get yourself started. Get up out of the bed. Get yourself moving. Expose yourself to some natural light, preferably sunlight. Preferably if you're waking up really early, you might catch the sun at its sunrise. And at sunrise, it's got a beautiful hue of red light that it emits. Infrared light therapy amazing. If you're able to expose yourself to red light in the morning, you'll be a better person for it every single day. Your skin will thank you. 
Efficiency, start your day off really, really well. Imagine what your goals are for the day, write them down, have an accountability partner, let that accountability partner know what exactly it is you're hoping to achieve at that moment in time for the day and keep yourself consistent with it. Keep yourself accountable. So we want to be consistent with our bedtime routine, effectively do airway management, relax our way into our nighttime routine and our sleep cycles and be efficient with the first breath we take in the morning. This is great. This is great um, advice and makes it such a ritual, which is nice too. So I know sometimes I'll go to bed and it's like, just because I'll look at the clock, like, geez, I got to go to bed. And (laughs) I can't, I go to bed and I know it's way late and I should be going to sleep, but I can't because I can't shut off my brain and my body won't shut down. It's not even my brain, my body won't shut down. So I appreciate all these tips, Carice. These are really nice. No problem. Can can you talk about tongue tie? Um, I mentioned to you before the podcast that my stepdaughter had brought it up to me with her son. I didn't know anything about it. And then you touch on it in your book. What can you tell us about that? So we've talked about how the tongue is a really important body. I don't know. Let's call it an organ for lack of a a better word. It's a really important organ. And there are times where, whether it be a child that is born with a tongue tie and can't nurse, or whether it be that you just can't use your tongue as effectively in speech, in breathing, in eating, that tongue is going to be attached through a strong, a small string of connective tissue that will be either short or restrictive in not allowing the tongue a full range of motion. So the tongue might not be able to elevate all the way. It might not be able to protrude all the way, lateralize. You won't be able to get good use of that tongue for that reason. This affects a lot of babies um, that we're hearing about now. Now we're hearing about it as like this big trend with babies because lactation and being able to breastfeed is a big deal nowadays. I think we're shifting into a positive trend of breastfeeding and breastfeeding mothers. So you're hearing about it with babies because with the babies, they really need those tongues. So between the tongues and the cheeks, they're going to be getting a lot of compression on the nipple in order to get the milk out. And they can't do that if they cannot elevate the tongue or cup it around the nipple in order to do so. So that's when you're hearing about those babies that are failure to thrive or that parents who are going through a lot of pain and so forth. But when we don't do anything about it, when we don't resolve it, then we wind up with the fact that if you try to do a one minute breath test, that tongue can't elevate to the roof of the mouth to then help them get it up and out of the airway, right? So then we're having issues with that and that causes a negative pressure within the mouth. And then we're having issues with how the teeth are developing or how they're forming. We get those picky eaters, we get the gaggers, the tongue just is not free to move. And so so you, you're going to have a lot of issues as far as your oral facial function. And so what, what needs to be done about this? It is a simple surgery, but still surgery nonetheless. Um, it typically does involve some level of myofunctional therapy. So with babies, it's typically afterwards a lot to just help with the wound management because 
this simple surgery is something that, you know, you do have to actually engage in some stretching to keep those tissues and those fibers from reconnecting. Um, but it does involve some level of myofunctional therapy to get those muscles kind of going. And then you get your procedures. And then afterwards, you're doing some more myofunctional therapy as like your prehab and your rehabs. So the myofunctional therapy is in there to help with the healing and the function post-release. Hmm. Okay, that's really, that's interesting. Yeah, that could probably help a lot of people to know that, a lot of parents. Oh, yeah. It's a yeah. big topic nowadays. And many people are thinking that a lot of it just has to do with speech. And I would say speech is the least of your concerns when there's a tongue tie. Um, not that speech is not important. Speech is incredibly important. But when it comes to thinking about can your child feed properly? Can your child um, breathe properly? Is your child able to actually use their tongue and cleanse the mouth properly? Because our tongue was actually our first toothbrush before there was ever a toothbrush. We were picking things out of our teeth with our tongue, right? Yeah. So when you can't move your tongue around properly, I think there's a, a whole bunch of things that are higher concerns than speech, but yes. Wow. So interesting. So what are some of your success stories that, that um, you, you know, you people that you worked with that you just have such a great, uh, outcome that you could share with us? I have one that I will never forget and that I keep in contact with now. Um, this wonderful woman, she, when I met her, she was in such a bad place. She had uh, a lot of personal issues that had gone on. She had just lost a job and lost the spouse and she was struggling, just struggling with life and with sleep. And this was almost like her last resort. She just needed to get herself together in some way, shape or form. And through our working together, through being able to develop her own care plan, from being able to get her um, oral facial function to just a much better place and getting her a lot more restorative sleep, we were able to, one, get her off her CPAP, two, relieve a lot of that anxiety and some of the depression, because as you know, there is a connection. And I think many people know that there's such a connection between anxiety, depression, and the way you breathe. So a lot of psychologists will prescribe breathing exercises for anxiety or when you're depressive, think about where you are, process it, take deep breath, yada, yada. So we were able to help her a lot with that in that way. So I don't want people to think that, you know, I'm a psychologist or anything. I didn't work with her in that way, but through her breathing, we did get her off her CPAP. She was able to relieve a lot of that anxiety and some of the depression. Um, she did find another job, a much better position. She was more herself, much more alive. I would say she is like the peak of accomplished where she was able to pull herself up and to reach a really good point of self-realization, which would be that top of Maslow's um, hierarchy there. But we really had to address a lot of her physiological needs before we could even get to some of the other stuff. It's really exciting. It's really great. A lot of information you presented here today is really great and can really help a lot of people. Yeah, it's super exciting. I'm so happy I could be here and share. Yeah, you must love what you do. Oh, so much, so much. That's really great. Where can we find you? Is, is your website themyospot.com? 
Yes, that is exactly it. Yes, you can okay. find me there. You can also find me um, at the Mayo Spot. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook. And, you know, at any point in time, especially through the website, you can contact me for a free consultation. Okay, that's great. Is there anything else you'd like us to know, Carice? Accomplished, How to Sleep Better, Eliminate Burnout, and Execute Goals is available on Amazon for purchase. Okay, I will put the links to your website and to the book in the show notes so people can find it and look it up. That'd be great. So, Carice Laguerre, thank you so much for coming on today. This is so much information. We covered a lot of different topics, but what it all boils down to is if you can't breathe, you're not breathing properly, you're just not able to be your best self. Would you say that would be the, the summation here? That was spot on. That's great. That's really neat. And so thank you so much for what you do and then for bringing it to my attention so we could talk about it today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks. So for those of you who are listening, thank you so much for catching this podcast. On behalf of John Beethan and Lisa Victoria and myself, we just want to thank you and let you know you can come by alternativehealthtools.com. And there's a little blue circle down in the corner and it's got a microphone in it. You can click on that. You can ask us a question, leave us some feedback, give us a message, whatever you like, or just say hi. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you for listening.